0: Shalom, this is Rabbi Brian. If our podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. The first is our Beth Chesed Orphanage, where almost 40 children are cared for and taught about the God of Israel and the Messiah Yeshua. We also support Messianic congregation Mishkan Yeshua Haiti, which is overseen by our own
1: Rabbi Peter Oliveira. Adonai is doing a supernatural work there to bring the love of Yeshua and the restoring power of his Torah to the entire nation. Visit www.torah4hati.org That's
0: www.t-o-r-a-h, number 4 Haiti, dot org, to sponsor a child at our orphanage or to make a one-time tax-deductible donation. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you as you listen to the word delivered at our Mishkan David Shabbat
1: service. Shalom.
0: It's a very exciting Torah portion. And what I'm really going to do is share about the Song of Moses and the two of the most mighty miracles that Adonai has ever performed, starting with the one he mentioned about the Red Sea. And the Lord led me to choose three verses out of chapter 15 of Exodus, um, which is part of the Song of Moses, and I'm going to read them to you. Who is like you, Adonai, among the mighty? Who is like you, sublime in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You reached out with your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your love, you led the people you redeemed. In your strength, you guided them to your holy abode. Micha Mocha means, Who is like you, Lord? And that is the main message of today. Who is like the Lord? So I'm gonna talk about this mighty miracle and then another one that came later in history. First, this Torah portion starts right on the night of the first Passover, when um, Pharaoh has finally decided to let them go, let the Israelites go, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, our people. I say our because I'm grafted in. So I'm part of the house of Israel, amen? Amen. So how did the Jews get to Egypt in the first place? We remember that Joseph was used by Adonai to save not only all the Egyptians, but his own family who came down. Jacob and the rest of his family came down to find that Joseph hadn't died after all and that God had used the, the, the things that his brothers did to him for the glory of himself and for the salvation of the um, the nation of Israel, ultimately. So what God was really doing during these 430 years, because the pharaohs that came later on forgot about that pharaoh and Joseph. They forgot all the good that he had done. So the Jews had multiplied and multiplied so much. They were getting so huge in population that the later pharaohs were afraid that the Jews would take over in Egypt. So that's when they decided to enslave them. So they were, you know, brutally enslaved and oppressed by the Egyptians for many of those 430 years. But Adonai was doing something during this time. He was using many things to completely unify these people, set them apart from others, make them a a peculiar people. They already were by circumcision through Abraham, but also just their separation and their differentness from the people around them. He used their dreams of a promised land. He used the oppression. They had the fellowship of their sufferings together. And ultimately, he, used, he bound them together by the possession of the law, the unique law, the unique religion of one God instead of many gods, <clears throat> and their destiny to be blessed to be a blessing. So we have this night. Everyone is packed up quickly. They've had their Passover meal. They're on their way with fear and trembling. <clears throat> It took about two weeks for them to reach a place that looked like they couldn't get through. By this time, they were at the, the Sea of Reeds and by the desert. By this time, Pharaoh regretted letting them go. So what he did was um, he, he ordered six, over 600 chariots and cavalry to go and pursue the Jews, try to get them back. And as the Jews were traveling, they were being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they kept on um, following Adonai's meandering path to keep them safe and keep them from chickening out, basically. (laughs) So at one point, they're at the edge. They're camped near the edge of the Sea of Reeds, and they see the Egyptians in the distance coming for them. And they're fearful, and they're yelling at Moses, Why did you bring us to this point only to have us killed. Why didn't you just let us stay in Egypt and be slaves? At least we, had, we knew where we'd be buried and we had food to eat. But now a mighty act of redemption was coming because Moshe, Moses, said to them, don't fear, the Lord is going to do a mighty, mighty work for you today, and he did. So the Lord told Moshe to raise his hand up over the sea which he did, and then the most amazing miracle happened. This really happened when the Lord sent a strong, strong east wind and parted the waters. This has never happened since or before. And they walked for nine miles on dry land, not damp like at the beach when the tide goes out, but dry land for them. The Lord did this for them. So two and a half million Jews at this point traveled out of Egypt and across the sea, toward the holy Land, which they would arrive at 40 years later. <clears throat> so Micha Mocha, who is like you, O Lord, to do such a mighty act? However, there was another even more mighty act coming in the world. Um, before I get to that, the Song of Moses is the amazing song that, uh, it's all of chapter 15 pretty much, and my three verses come from there. And this is what the two and a half million Jews along with Moses sang to Adonai in rejoicing, rejoicing over their deliverance. Um, so after that, you know, the, the Hebrews, they went back and forth between fear and faith and um, obedience and disobedience. But and I kept on comforting them as a, as a loving father. He sent them their water, he gave them their quail at night and their bread in the morning, their manna every day. He taught them their laws. He taught them about the Shabbat. He had them bring um, not gather any manna on the Shabbat, but only take twice as much the day before, which is a you know, a precursor to what we have today for the, for the Sabbath. However, Okay, so as I was studying this this week, I remembered something. It just came to my mind. I knew there were verses about this, and I looked it up. And in Jeremiah, it says this. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them. And... and, to their own land, which I gave them to their fathers. And this one, so then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as, the, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, <clears throat> but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. Yes. Amen. Yes. And so what has happened? What happened was that after they got to the Promised Land, unfortunately, the Jewish people were disobedient. They forgot their God. They forgot the mighty miracle. And twice in history, Adonai had to banish them from their land. Here they had their own land that God gave them, but they were not worthy of the land. And so twice, God had to be severe in his punishment. So he used both the Babylonians and then later the Romans to cause them to have to leave their land. He scattered them to over 100 countries in the world where many still are, but they never forgot that they were Jews. They never forgot Adonai, really. They kept their um, sacrifices. They kept their uh, holy days. They kept their Shabbats. They kept kind of separate from all the people where they lived. They were looked at as peculiar, they were persecuted as they are today. And this helped keep them together as a people. So they never lost their national identity. Adonai preserved them as a people. Mi who is like you, Lord? Ein <laughs> Kamoka. Um, in Amos it says, I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. And... In Ezekiel, it says this, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you from all the countries, and return you to your own soil. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit inside you and cause you to live by my laws. Respect my rulings and obey them. You will live in the land I gave to your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. That's from Ezekiel. The next mighty part of this miracle, the second miracle, is that a nation was born in a day, Mikamocha, May 14, 1948. Despite overwhelming odds, the United Nations (laughs) voted Israel to be an official nation Jewish home. Jewish land, for, you know, for the first time in history, really, the land of Israel as it is today, and Michomoka, this, is, this was unheard of. I mean, these people have been away for 2,000 years, 2,000 years, and now they're not only back in the land, um, but they were made a nation on that day. <clears throat> in um, Isaiah, it says, can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons and a dead language was restored because what I forgot to say is that in the late 1800s, it was as if a homing instinct had been planted in the Jewish people because they were all starting to get a a yearning to go to this, this land, this promised land. Many of them, most of them had, all of them, had never been there, of course, because it's so many years later. But they knew they had a heart connection to the land of Israel. So people started leaving these countries and traveling and making Aliyah, which is to move to Israel to live there. So this was amazing. And it's been happening. And yet, uh, before that time, they were persecuted. And the land of Israel was like a desert. It was... um, It was like a, um, Mark Twain called it, ugly, blistering, naked, treeless land, squalid, filthy, and deserted. That's how it was. So they're coming back, right, and they're trying to work the land and all. And a dead language, the Hebrew language, was revived. Again, mikamocha. This has never happened before, that an ancient language, especially one that was only used for sacred writings, not spoken, would be would come alive again. But because all these people are coming from a hundred different countries and speaking different languages, <clears throat> they needed a language of their own where they could understand each other. So a man named Eliezer Ben Yehuda declared that Hebrew was going to be the national language. So he invented some new words because things like computer, they didn't have that in Hebrew. You know, so <laughs> <clears throat> And sure enough, today, and I've been to Israel twice, that's, that's the language everyone speaks. They know English, too. They learn it in school. Um, so um, Zephaniah says, For then I will return to the people a pure language that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one, one consent. I'm almost done. So today... <clears throat> The ugly, blistering, naked, treeless land is now not that. It's the desert is blo- blooming. Yeah. It is. It's beautiful. It's fertile because during the years of the immigrations, which is still going on, um, people that were doctors, lawyers, other professional people, they gave up their professions for a time to live in kibbutzes and learn agriculture, and they tilled the land and they came up with the ingenious ways of um, fertilization and. Irrigation and even now desalinization of ocean water. So it's just ingenious, the things that they've done. Um, Isaiah says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. Micha Mocha. There were miracles in battle all from the day they became a nation. Six armies attacked them and have been att- they've been attacked ever since. To this very day, there are rockets always coming over from the Gaza Strip, and yet God protects them. Not, no no one has gotten killed by those rockets, and yet Iran and Palestine would like to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, but the Lord says no, that's not going to happen. So that's what I have to say about the two mightiest miracles in history that, Ad- that Adonai has done for the Jewish people. Today there are six and a half million Jews in Israel out of the eight and a half million who live there currently. They haven't been purified yet. I say they, I say we haven't been purified. That part of the prophecy from Ezekiel hasn't got finished yet, but in the Lord's timing, it will. So when I first was asked to do this Torah portion, it immediately brought to mind a song that I have loved. I've owned this. And loved, this, and loved this song for many years. I really wanted to share it with you. So, Paul, if you would start the song. So let's worship him together. Just, just read along with the words and um, enjoy this song. It's called The Song of Moses.
1: and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and then that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the hearts of God and they sing the song of Moses the servant of of the land. And we glow